So I, I want to start, I'm going to start a new, new series today, and we'll probably just kind of talk through it for the next three or four weeks. And it's not an easy thing to talk about in the church, because somewhere in our society, we've kind of created this illusion that to follow Jesus means we've got it all together, right? And that we're shiny, happy, polished people, right? And maybe you are, <laughs> but I know that I'm not. So if nothing else, over the next few weeks, I'm, I'm talking to me. Every week, as part of my responsibility as the chaplain with Orlando City, I get to have lunch with the players in the cafeteria. And that cafeteria is much like you would expect a kind of professional sports place to be, right? It's all healthy food. Horrible. <laughs> um, you know, there's this kind of a jock feel about it, this kind of um, sweaty smell. You remember that from Jim, right? And one of the things that they have decorating this cafeteria is all these motivational posters, right? I mean, some of them are, are really good and inspiring. Others are just things like, make sure you eat your vegetables, right? But I walked in the other day, and I saw this one. It was a new sign that they put up. And it says, for the whole team to look at, the disease of me, the defeat of us. Six danger signals of the disease of me. Chronic feelings of underappreciation. Focus on yourself. Paranoia over being cheated out of one's rightful share. I'm getting closer as we do this. Leadership vacuum resulting from the formation of cliques and rivalries. Feelings of frustration even when the team performs successfully. Personal effort mustered solely to outshine one's teammate. Resentment of competence of another. It's pretty ugly for a team to have. Right, David? I'm sure you've been in some teams that have seen that. And this quote at the end from Pat Riley, who is a uh, basketball coach, the most difficult thing for individuals to do when they become part of a team is to sacrifice. So I'm in there and I'm looking at this, the disease of me, right? It's ironic that the poster went up about halfway through Orlando's record losing streak, <laughs> right? The other thing that got me a little bit of trouble was that um, I shared this picture on social media because I thought it was so good. And some of the supporter groups got a hold of it. And we had a, a player at the time who... Um, uh, many felt fit this description, and we just traded him, and his name was uh, Miram. <laughs> so they added an R-A-M <laughs> to the uh, last letters of me and shared it publicly, which was a little bit embarrassing and, and hurtful. Right. But as I'm looking at this, I realize that this disease of me is not just a problem on teams. It's a problem inside of here too, right? The disease of me is the very reason that Jesus came. The disease of me is the very reason that there are so many problems in the world. You know, I realized something profound the other day. When I look at all the things that have gone wrong in my life, 
When I look at all the silly, stupid things that I have done, when I look at the sins that I've committed and the people I've hurt, they all have one thing in common. Anyone want to guess what that is? <laughs> yes, it sounds better when I say it, though. I, I, I don't know. It, it's me, right? In everything I have done wrong, everything that has hurt and not gone right, the commonality is me. I am a, car- a carrier of this disease of me. Now, just to say the good news is I'm not alone because you are also carriers of this disease as well. Especially you, Ryan, for calling me out. <laughs> right? But we have this disease of me that costs us a whole lot more than losing a few sports games, right? And unless we address this sick disease within us, not only do we waste life, but we waste the life to come as well. So over the next few weeks, I want to talk about the disease of me, and today I want to talk about the sickness of self. Sounds very exciting and uplifting, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) It is when we get to talk about the cure, right? But to talk about the cure, we've got to realize the problem first. So the story that I've, I've chosen to talk through, the sickness of self, is found in Matthew 19. And it's a very, very sad story. Yeah, I know, I'm really on a pick me up high today, right? Let me read it to you. Someone came to Jesus with this question. He said, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Why are you asking me what is good? Jesus replied. There's only one who is good, but to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, then you should keep the commands. Which ones? The man asked. And Jesus replied, you must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. I've obeyed all these commands, the young man said. What else must I do? He's asking, is there anything else that I need to do? The first part of this story lets us know that if we are going to understand this disease of me, we have to diagnose what's going on inside of us. And so I think that in this little passage, this introduction to this story, there are three diagnosis tests that we can take to see how we're doing. And how healthy we are. So someone came to Jesus. Now someone could be anyone. Someone could be us. Because his question is one that we all want to know. But this someone was a special someone. In fact he's so special that his story is mentioned in all four of the Gospels. We call him the rich young ruler. All of the Gospels tell us that he was rich. Matthew's Gospel adds that he was young. And only Luke says that he was a ruler. He's rich, he's young, and he's got a lot of power. 
You know what those three things do to someone? They inflate their ego, right? The, the, the world really does belong to the young, right? H- how many of us kind of wish that there was a pill that could take us back 20 years? Maybe, maybe not to some of the situations, but certainly, you know, to some of that vigor and youthfulness, right? There's a strength and an energy and an optimism and a creativity about the young that unless it's understood can really feed the ego, right? How many teenagers have we met who know everything, right? There's something, all of them, there's something about being young that can strengthen the ego. He's rich. Money is power, right? He can buy what he wants, go where he wants, say what he wants. People will do what he wants for the most amount of money. When we have a lot of money, that can feed our ego. And of course, he's got a lot of power. He's a ruler. He, he tells people what to do, and they do it. He says, jump, and they say, how high? He says, go, and they go. He's rich, and he's young, and he's a ruler. And that means he's in a precarious place to have a big ego. And as the story continues we see that he actually does have a big ego. That's the first diagnosis we need to look into if we're going to understand the the disease of me. How, How big is my ego? You know the sad thing about asking that question? The least qualified person to answer that question is the person who's asking it. That's why we need people in our lives to say, um, Hey, you need to turn it down a little bit. Hey, you need to, you need to wash some feet a little bit. How's, how's your ego? If your ego is on the increase and you think things are about you, then you've probably got the disease of me. Let me tell you, just if you don't know, your ego is bigger than it should be. <laughs> Not picking on anyone, it's just a universal fact. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? As he talks about eternal life, he's not just talking about length of life. He's talking about quality of life. Jesus said to him, why do you ask me what is good? There's only one who is good, but to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commands. You know, again, Jesus kind of misses the point again. It's like, come on, Jesus. He said, he asked you a question, and you didn't answer the question. And I think why Jesus says, why do you ask me what is good? He's saying, I don't want to answer that question because your level of goodness doesn't actually help you get over the disease of self, right? There's only one who's God, and that's good. You can be as good as you want, and you can still have this, this sickness of, of self, There's only one who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commands. Which ones? It's interesting that Jesus only offers half of the commands. And they're not the ones that are about how well we treat others. They're the ones that are not about how we treat God. They're the ones that that treat others, right? It's like the, the second half of the Ten Commandments. 
And in fact, the commandments that Jesus gives him are kind of the easy ones. He says, well, I haven't committed murder. I haven't committed adultery. I can, I can check those boxes. And so he says in verse 20, I've obeyed all these commands. What else must I do? Check this out. This is the second diagnosis to see if we've got this sickness. One, what's our ego? Secondly, what kind of questions are we asking about life? And what kind of answers are we looking for? The first question, what must I do to receive eternal life? Which ones? Am I doing okay? What else must I do? The second sign that this guy has got this disease of me is that all the questions he's asking are about him. Not how can I help, not how can I serve, not what can I do to give myself away. What must I do to make myself look, feel better and capture and be sure of this thing called eternal life? If we got the disease of me, most of the questions that we're asking are wrapped around I and me rather than around us and them. Does that make sense? Third thing is in this final question. What else must I do? And it speaks to this dissatisfaction within him. Right? Because that's one of the things that the disease of me does. We think that if we focus on ourselves, if we follow the 10 easy steps to become bigger and better and purer, everything's going to go well and will fulfill us. But the reality is the more of the disease of me we have inside of us, the more dissatisfied we are than with life. Right? He's saying, what else must I do? There has to be something more. There has to be something else. This guy is a carrier of the disease of me. He's got this need that he can't satisfy. He's asking these questions that are all about himself, and he's dissatisfied. His ego is huge. He should have had it all, but something's still missing. Why? Because he's a carrier of the disease of me. I would encourage you to apply this little diagnosis on yourself, right? How's my ego? What questions am I asking and for what purpose? Am I dissatisfied? The reality is, once we answer those questions we realize that we have this disease of me, right? Because on our own, we can't be satisfied. On our own, we default to selfishness. On our own, our ego grows because it's the only way we can give ourselves some kind of importance. There's a diagnosis of me. And we all have this sickness. This week we had to run Bethany to uh, urgent care. She had this little muscle spasm. And, uh, you know, I'm talking to her on the phone on the way back from our meeting and asking all these questions. And um, they were really good diagnostic questions. But we decided to go to the, 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 the after hours thing anyway. 
and we got there and we paid the copay, and the doctor asked exactly the same questions that I did. <laughs> and then he said probably exactly, well, closer to what I would have said too, except we paid him for, for, the, for the privilege, right? But it was really important to have a professional diagnose, right? To say, hey, there's, there is a problem here. We have to diagnose ourselves. Second thing about this disease is not only do we need to diagnose ourselves to see if we have this, but there is a limitedness to ourself. Left, left untapped, if we don't realize about this disease of me, we will forever be limited in what we do. I've observed all these commandments, the young man replied. What else must I do? Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go sell all of your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had many possessions. Jesus looked at his disciples, probably within a tear in his eye, because I imagine it was breaking his heart that this guy was walking away. I tell you the truth, it's so hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. What's happening here is that Jesus is exposing the limitedness of humanity apart from him. He says to this guy, hey, if you really want eternal life, right? Not just in terms of, of length and quantity, but in terms of quality and depth. Well, give your stuff away. Don't, don't let it uh, define you. Don't find your identity in the things that, that you're keeping and you're making and your, your, your power and your wealth and your youth. Give it away. And he can't do it because it's got too much of a control on him. And as he walks away, this man who's trying to say, hey, I'm it, is revealing to everybody that he's not because there are some things that he can't do. He's revealing to everybody that his life is limited because he's defining it by what he has, not his ability to be generous, right? Everyone's watching this, and Jesus says, man, it's, it's really, really hard. If your thing is about wealth or power or youth, man, you're limiting yourself. Because power ultimately implodes upon itself and corrupts you and corrupts people. And wealth can run out just like that, and we all know that youthfulness doesn't last very long, right? Saying, so if that's your thing... You're limiting yourself. And you can imagine the shock on the, the disciples and Jesus sees it and he reads their faces and says, let me tell you another way. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter heaven. And over the years, lots of theologians have tried to understand this and they say that, hey, well, maybe there was a, a little gate 
called um, the, the, the Needle, just which was like a side entrance to the city when the main gates were locked and camels were big animals and how do they, they get through? But I don't think that's what Jesus was talking about at all. I think Jesus was making the point that it is impossible for us to save ourselves. If we have the disease of me, we are limited Limited what we can do here and limited as to where we go after our life ends. He's saying, except for God, that is impossible. You cannot save yourself. You cannot get to heaven. You cannot experience eternal life. The length and the richness of it, if you're a carrier of this disease, it limits you. There's a diagnosis that we have to take because if we don't take it, we live limited lives. You know, one of the biggest problems in the world today is that there are too many people living limited lives. You know, for every Christian, uh, for every challenge in the world today, you know, we like to make excuses and blame uh, others and blame culture and the other party and all this kind of stuff. You know who's responsible for all that stuff that's going wrong? I think it's the church because we've limited who we are and we've limited what God can and wants to do through us. We have to diagnose ourselves if we want to be healed. We are limited and who we are, and what we do. Was that my wife? That's awesome. <laughs> if that was anyone else, I'd give you a pass. Just know that. <laughs> a diagnosis of self, because there is a limitedness of self, unless we understand the cure for self, right? And this is where it gets better, Ryan, so you can start tuning in now, right? <laughs> All right. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it's impossible, but with God, everything is possible. Then Peter said to him, We've given up everything to follow you. What will we get? What will we get? See, see, the problem with this disease of self is that it keeps coming back, right? Here's Peter, the one who is the rock, the one that Jesus has said, I'm going to build my church on you. Here's Jesus who gets it. Uh, here's Peter who gets it in a big way, Right? revealing that he still is a carrier of this disease of self. We've given up everything to follow you. What will we get? And again, having seen what just happened with the young ruler, you would expect that Jesus is going to go off on his disciples as well. But he doesn't. Because there's something very different that's happening in how Peter asks the question than in how the rich young man asks the question. Instead of saying all these I, 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 me, me, me statements, Peter says, we have given up everything to follow you. What will we get? 
Now, the disease of me isn't fully gone from Peter, but the fact that he's using we instead of me suggests it's on its way out. Here's part of the cure for this disease of me. A community of we provides a cure for the disease of me, right? If we are around other people in healthy and holy ways, then the disease of me starts to die, right? Why? Because it's impossible to be selfish and to be overly self-consumed in a relationship, right? (laughs) Don't try it. I can tell you how that relationship will end, right? Anyone who has ever um, had a boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, child, parent knows that to be consumed with self does not work in relationship. There's something about relationship that rubs away, right? That heals partially this, this disease of me. When we're in a community of we, as Peter was, it attacks the disease of me. That's, that's half of the solution. Jesus go on, goes on. He says, I assure you that when the world is made new and the Son of Man sits upon his glorious throne, you have been my followers will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. But many who are the greatest now will be the least important then. And those who are the least important now will be the greatest then. We diagnose our selfishness, because if we don't, we get caught in the limitedness of our selfishness. But we must apply the cure for selfishness. Part of that has been in a community. That's why it's important that we, we, we involve, engage in relationships and come to church and keep rubbing off on each other. That's part of the cure. But the other cure, he says, is giving up yourself for me. First of all, he paints this brilliant, beautiful picture of what heaven is going to be like. It's going to be be glorious. All will be made new. The Son of Man will be reigning visible for, for all to see. He says, but the way to receive that and the way to get over this disease of me is to give up your stuff and follow me. There's a much bigger implication for that. It's give up yourself and follow me. It's don't keep thinking that your life is all about you. Don't think that you are the most important part of the equation. Turn that over to God. Because when we do that, then we get to experience the cure. If we think we can do it on our own, we just make ourselves worse. 
If we can give up our stuff, if we can give up our self-righteousness, if we can give up our way, if we can give up our need to be right and hand that stuff over to God, then we get to experience the cure. Does that make sense? We have this horrible, suffocating, killing disease of me. And life doesn't work because of that sickness. But we got to diagnose it. Otherwise, we don't know what we're dealing with. We've got to stop living limited lives because that's what the disease of me caps. And we've got to come to Jesus and to receive this cure for the disease of me. We've got to be around people who reflect Jesus, who will love us like Jesus, who will speak truth to us like Jesus would. But most of all, we have to give up our stuff for his stuff. Let me tell you, that's the best deal that we can make. He said, you'll return it a hundredfold. The irony is that we cling to selfishness because we think that's what's best. Jesus said, no, 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 no. When you let go of selfishness, then you really get the best. We all have this disease of me. The really good news for all of us is that Jesus didn't come to those who were healthy. He says it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but it's the sick. I haven't come to call the righteous, but I've come to call the sinners. We are all carriers of this selfish sickness that revolves around me. But we have a good doctor who in the most painful and powerful way through the cross gave us a cure. We're all carriers of this disease of me with the right diagnosis, realizing our limitedness in Jesus' There's a cure.